The world is a beautiful but challenging place to live. And let's face it, life hits hard sometimes. So if you find your hopes and dreams and mental well-being needs a boost, you're tuned in to the right podcast. Welcome to Inspire Us with your host, Jay Paul Nadeau, a former hostage negotiator turned motivational speaker and acclaimed author of Take Control of Your Life. And now, here's your host, Jay Paul Nadeau. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Inspire Us. Today, I have Borak Yemez. And Borak has an extraordinary story of how he, well, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you decide on your own. This is an inspiring story of someone who overcame some tremendous challenges and has found peace in his life. And I, I do believe that this is the kind of story that we should all pay attention to because it's happening in more places than we can possibly imagine. We here in North America or wherever you may be may not be experiencing this to this level, but Borak has something to share with us. Borak, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. You're most welcome. Are you in New York now? Is that your home? Correct. I'm in Manhattan. Oh, Manhattan. What, what a wonderful place to be in. Now, you uh, didn't, and well, you ended up in New York, but you didn't start in New York. Where were you born and raised? I was born, raised, and in Turkey. Okay. And Istanbul. in Turkey, uh, the laws are quite different than they are here in North America. And more specifically, they are very different when it comes to our relationships with other people. Would you tell us a little bit about your past and, and some of why we're here? Well, you know, I grew up as a shy this, uh, person or child, never uh, wanted to say anything because everything I said was the wrong thing or it was feminine. Or it came out wrong and I was like uh, having this comments from people. So I was just like shut down, a ch child that shut down and don't speak and don't share anymore. And, you know, it started with my mother and everything else followed through with things like that. And, you know, when I, I, I cannot even say when I realized I was gay, I was always knew. I mean, I always knew I was gay. I just, um, you know, but I just couldn't explain to anyone because, um, you know, um, I didn't have the answers they were looking for. Um, yeah, go ahead. No, the answers that they were looking for. Uh, so you were born and raised in Turkey and you discovered that you were homosexual and your did your mother know this? Did, did she have an inkling that you had that in you? No, my mother and I always uh, played uh, dress up, makeup, and you know all that stuff. My mother never cared about it. Mm -hmm. You know, she didn't. She didn't say anything to me, like, "Oh, you're a guy. You know, you shouldn't be doing this." But we were having like so much fun with all the clothes and makeups. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, kids like to play, and yeah. So, what um, 
What happened when you grew older and you discovered that you were homosexual? Uh, if you can also tell us what the laws are in Turkey and how homosexuality is viewed in, in the Turkey culture. Apparently, other people discovered that I was homosexual before I did because the, the way they treated me, the way they attacked me, the way um, you know they discriminated me. From there, I figured out I'm homosexual. Like I heard it from them first before I tell them. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> you heard it from them first and then, you, <laughs> and then you came to the realization that you must be, but um, your sexual preferences, like your attraction, was it mainly, was it to both men and women or was it to men, your, your attraction? It, no, it has always been a man. Okay. Yeah, and since like I I remember crying that going to a wedding and thinking looking at the bride and groom, I said I don't want to wear that suit. I want to wear the wedding dress. Mm, okay, <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I got it. So you didn't know you didn't put a label you, like a, a title to it is is the more appropriate word. You didn't you didn't classify yourself as homosexual. No, I'm not a label queen. Right there, you go. All right. <laughs> So how did that complicate your life once you once you knew that you were homosexual? How did that complicate your life and where did it where did it take you? First of all, um, you know, it's always started. Oh, you seem like a very nice kid. Oh, you, you, you're beautiful. You're this and that, you know, I know like and then you end up with just kind of like sexual harassment or things like that uh, happened in the boarding school. It happened in high school. It ha always happened, and you know, like in the in the past when I was like teenager, I didn't have a lot of, I didn't like, I couldn't choose. I just went with whatever you know was happening. So uh, I was trying to figure everything out just uh, from those uh, traumatic events. You know, every story, every wrong decision I made, or every right decision I made, end up with a different story, right? And including my friends, uh, we were always trying to figure all this out. Meanwhile, my father figured out before me. <laughs> right. And he was like, uh, what is going on? All of that stuff. I don't have a child with like this. And I was like, oh, wait, you were never around. You just came like last year and now you're throwing me out. Like mm. what's happening here? Like I was 16, I had nowhere to go. And then I had to make other choices, you know, that lead up to tomorrow or the next week or the next one. It's just like, you know, choices, 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 wrong, good, bad, right choices, you know, and all that, you know, like that things that I had to do. And there are moments that I'm not proud of, but I've done it. Well, I think uh, that that is true of everybody's life, Boruk, is that there are times that we could go back into the past and see how we could have done things differently or what we should have done. However, the past, as I say, is, is in the past and we learn from those experiences. You touched on your friends in your schooling um, era. And did they know that you were homosexual? Everybody knew except me. Okay, everybody knew except you. There you go back. Okay, um, how how did they receive you? Were you were you 
welcomed? Were you accepted? Was that all right with your friends? Because like Turkey, uh, the, the laws are different, as I understand, when it comes to homosexuality and the expression of love in, in different ways, that uh, there is a law against that, as I understand. Would I be correct in that assumption? Um, yeah, there's laws that the other humans that created, eroded, or they think it's the right thing to do, wrong thing to do. So that we start with that. Oh, you cannot wear red because it's not appropriate for your age. Oh, you cannot wear a dress, okay, because it's not appropriate for your uh, gender. You know, those are not reading on the Bible or on the on some kind of book, mm -hmm. are they? Mm. So we start. Let's start with that kind of laws. Like we follow, through, like we think they're the laws. We think they're the things that we should be following. You know, doing or not doing. You know, um, until come to be judged by the judge. Um, you know, just like uh, trying to put ourselves in the box so that other people won't like uh, be uncomfortable for with our uh, actions or things that we say, things that we wear. You know, I was always like not to um, intimidate or not to be rude to others. It never talk, thinks about, like talks about what we want. Those are the laws that actually bothers me the most. Um, or being judged by the real judge. I don't care about that. It's, you know, it's just like the last thing that in my mind, you know, just like, but I came to that point too. So, yeah. So at the age of 16, you have a father who was absent and he was back in your life for a year. And now he's telling you that because of your homosexuality and your choice of being who you are, he's kicking you out into the street. Correct. And he did. And he did. What did you do? At, well, at 16, it's not an easy thing to be put out of your home and homeless at any age. But at 16, it's very, very challenging for for anyone. What did you do and, and how did that how did that define your life? What did you do? What were the choices that you made back then? This is where I learned the street life, you know, just like uh, to be able to survive, you have to give in, so, in, like, in order to get what you want. And I figured that out in early ages. Okay, I was like, okay, I am I like I like this, there's no choice to be made. This is the this is the the law of street. Mm. You give what they want to get what you want. Mm -hmm. So in the first night, I remember like uh, sitting on the bench, and it's like two a.m. in the morning. It's a small town, and one guy walking up to me and say, "Oh my God, why are you up so late or early?" Uh, what are you doing here by yourself? Like, can I help you with anything else? I didn't know what that means. Right. And, and I found out. Yeah, and you so found out. Was, yeah. So that was my first time getting to know that, okay, so people expect something from you. And why not? I don't expect things from them, you know, to be able to survive another day. Right. If you know what I mean. Well, here's here's where we have to elaborate. Um, and for anyone who is listening to this podcast, there are going to be topics discussed here uh, that will be sensitive in nature when it comes to um, sexual preferences. But I believe it's very important for us to be not explicit, but specific. 
the first gentleman, so now that I've given that a little bit of a, a warning, I want to come back to you, Borak, uh, to summarize what you've said about the experience of, of ending up on the street. You made a very good point, is that you very quickly discover that it is a survival. It's a matter of survival. And one must do what one must do. Uh, at 16, I would imagine that you were likely kicked out with no birth certificate, uh, no home address to go to. And really, you are an unknown person because you have no identification uh, that would help you get a job, number one. A lot of people who leave home or are kicked out of home leave without their credentials, leave without their birth certificates, and it's very difficult to find a job, if right. not impossible. And then to compound that, you don't have an address. You walked in to look for a job. Hey, I want to work for someone. Where do you live? I live on the streets. Well, that's not a great address to go and apply for a job. So now you are confronted by a man who has taken particular interest in you and says, what are you doing here on the streets? Well, what is it? And this man is showing some kind of empathy, but it develops into something very different. And can you be specific as to what it developed and what you learned from that experience? Oh, yes, this is going to be shocking. So I, I actually, in, at first, as I learned from my manners and my family, saying that when people ask you something, you say first, no. So that's what I did. If they offer you again, you take it. Mm -hmm. okay. So the, I followed through that, that you know, rule. I said, no, thank you, I'm fine. I'm just sitting here. I said, okay, and he left and he came back three more people. And they beat me up to that. Oh, oh. So now what do you do? Mm -hmm. No money, you no money, you're hungry, you know, beaten up physically, mentally, emotionally, everything. You have like um you know, rock bottom, let's say let's put it this way. Like to my first time meeting with this kind of uh feeling. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you do? You get up and you learn and you don't do it again. Means you don't say no. You take it the first time they offer you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or you take it without their offering you. You know, next time somebody offer me to feed me or take me, uh, you know, just like an order to give them what they want. What would that be? Right, and would be in the hotel room, would be in the car, would be there, would be here, who knows? But you give them what they want, and then so you can continue to leave the next day. This is the street law. Yes, to be very specific, if I understand you correctly, you haven't come out and really said it in words. So feel I free. Can't. Well, feel <laughs> and I and I respect that. Would it be? Would it be? all right with you if I summarized it and you would either say yes or no to the summary and I will make it gentle. I think we should leave it that way. All right. Whoever understood, understood. Whoever don't, they can research. I, I appreciate <laughs> that and I, I respect your, your decision on that. So let's move on.
So now, now you find yourself on the street and you find the cold reality of survival is a really give and take. And there has to be different means in which to be fed and clothed and sheltered. All the basic needs and essentials of life. And at 16, you find yourself in this new world having to survive. There comes a point in your life, and I was reading through the biography that you sent, that you were imprisoned. And I would like us to go there for just a moment. Uh, how did that happen? How long were you imprisoned? And uh, tell us a little bit about that experience, if you would. Okay, so here's the thing. I started writing all the stories on the book, on, on the notebook, right? Because I was like so scared. If I die one day, I want them to know what happened. Mm. Um, and I have other friends still going through things and I wrote their stories too, right? Until one day I started working after like working in the bar as a busboy and you know, just like um, that. Anyway, so I started working in the publisher somehow writing other people's stories as a ghostwriter and that. And my boss said to me, what are you doing one day? Like I'm writing these stories. And then she looked at it. I was like, why didn't you never tell me about it? I'm like, this is supposed to be secret. Like you're supposed to find out, find about this after I die. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, let's make it, you know, like uh, organize it and, you know, make it a book. You know, we have always published other people's books, the, you know, famous people and everything. Why not you? I said, I'm not famous yet. What she was like, well, you will be, but I didn't know if it's a good thing or bad thing. So we did that. I was like, what, 21 by then and published and we called it Ordinary Stories of Homosexuals. And bam, it's a book. All the newspapers, some of them covers magazines and everybody's calling, everybody wants to, you know, like uh, talk about it. So I went to a TV channel. Uh, it was a live interview. They got, they got, they gave us money. It, you know, it felt good. Um, so that you know, we were after the interview. I was handcuffed and going to a police station. Hmm. For um, talking about religion, gay life, and all that, Islam. You know, how come you talk about Islam? How come you talk about sex? How come you can't, you can't put all that in one? I don't know. I just like, I guess, a little bit complained there. So got me into a police station, was tortured for three or four days. I remember it was like, and then nobody could know knew where I was. So I signed the paper saying that, you know, I would never do this again, but like, not like that. Of course, just like two, three pages wrote down exactly what they want me to write down. Mm. Um, there's no law they can't keep me any more longer what are you going to do like okay because he wrote a book and you know jailed for 15 years they couldn't do that either after that I found myself one more time uh, peopleless paperless people oh people less okay all right people less yes all right yeah so i'm like there's no one around me i'm like everybody's trying to run away from me because nobody wants us to see what happened i came to new york in february 2023 20th anniversary mm. and i was 23 no word of english again start from scratch um, but America was nicer to me. So in the beginning. 
Okay. All right. <laughs> well, all right. Well, that, let, let's pause there. It's almost like we're putting the pause button. I want to go back a little bit uh, with, a, with a summary. So at the age of 16, you find yourself homeless. And if I understand you correctly, and, and please correct me when I'm wrong, but you learn how to survive on the streets. And eventually you find a job in a publishing uh, area in which you're doing some writing, something you're very passionate about. And if I understand from your biography, you've had this interest in writing ever since you were a child, in writing different stories and writing your own story. So now you have a, a wonderful publisher, someone in this publication house that has taken an interest in you and has asked you to share your story. And it is shared. Not only is it shared, it becomes quite popular. The topics are dealing with some sensitive issues in Turkey, but you are invited to speak on different shows and uh, to express what is in the book and your story, only to be met with the police or the authorities who say there is a cap on what we can say in free speech. You cannot say these things in our country. They go against our, our laws of yeah. freedom of speech. We have no freedom of speech. And I'm just summarizing that, but would that be a fairly accurate statement to make? Yes. All right. Okay. And they arrest you and they torture you for a number of days, three days, and you are given a sheet of paper to sign. Correct. And you, you make a promise that you will not say these things again in public. Correct. And you sign this document and you are released to only to find yourself without anybody in your life again. Nobody surrounds you. So you make the decision to come to New York. And in New York, you find that, okay, this is a, a lot better, but I have to learn how to survive here now. You're 23 when you go? 23, learn how to speak English first. I, but that, I was gonna get to that. It's like, yes, that's, that's huge. But when yeah. you're thrown when you're thrown into the lion's den, and this is I'm not certainly not referring to New York as the lion's den. I love New York, yeah. uh, but when you're thrown into a foreign land, you're forced very quickly to learn the language, and that's a form of survival. How do I get right. by? Well, I better <laughs> learn the language. So you're in the best place. You're in New York, amazing, amazing city. It's just I love New York, and. So now you learn the language. Tell us where it goes from there. Well, funny, interestingly, I give myself two weeks to, you know, to just walk around in New York and get to know New York and everything. Luckily, I had a friend here who was a fashion designer. Um, he, I was walking around with him, we went to a store in Soho. They immediately I got a job offer with no English. And they said, you can work in the stock room, just organizing. I was so happy and hmm. so happy. I, oh my God, I have a job that, you know, five days a week and in the daytime, like I was, yeah, I was working the publisher too, but that was also in nighttime, like, you know, just like working at nighttime. I was like so tired of it. Anyway, so, and I got this job. I was so happy and trying to learn English. I learned some English and then uh, changed my job, working in the medical field. I was inspired with amazing doctors. And dental office, um, they, you know, one day one of my boss said, 
you know, if you don't go to school, I will fire you. Very good. I, Very I, good. I, I said, I don't even have GED. I didn't like Just <laughs> <laughs> start from there. And then he's like, it's easy. Go, you know, take the GED. I was like, I took it. I failed it. Okay. I told them it was it. So, like, I don't want to go to college. I'm fine like this. Um, after that, you know, just like, okay, so you fired. He did fire me. And then I was start working in the bar and club and just like, uh, you know, popular clubs, like being a bartender, uh, just um, that life that I got myself into, it was like, so like, uh, I don't know how to say it. It's good at the moment, but mm -hmm. it's like every night is the same story. You come home and there's no one, you're depressed, the daylight, go to sleep and uh, wake up. With the excitement that you're gonna be in the night lights again, and then you know showing up or your body and everything, get some compliments and you know feel yourself in the next day. It's just a circle. And one day I I broke down. I said I can't do this anymore. Check myself into psychiatric uh, facilities, got some uh, treatment and got out. They said, "What are you gonna do now?" And I told them, "I think I'm gonna become a nurse." Wow. Okay. And then they said, right, 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 right. How about like you're in like having a pink cloud right now? Like I know you're happy or the adrenaline and endorphins running. How about we, you know, get together once in a month and once in a month and see where you are? I said, no, I'm going to become a nurse. And then I took GD test again. I failed again. And I thought I should go to beauty school. And that is that what you did? You went to school? I dropped out beauty school. Ah, go, okay. Go, go back to original plan. I said, I'm going to try one more time. Then I sat down. I really studied and, you know, everything. And I got my GED. And I got, I enrolled in college. I, you know, and from there, took classes and, you know, got scholarship. Got to NYU nursing school, got scholarship and you know graduated with a really good gpa and so you know start working as a nurse so it wasn't all you know it all that glitter wasn't gold i like that all that glitter wasn't gold and how true what i like about your story there's so many different things barack i like about your story is that no matter how difficult times got for you, there were a couple of people who really fell into your life, like the publisher who encouraged you, your story to get out, and this doctor who fired you. He was a great doctor, but he was a doctor who had principles, and he encouraged you to go to school, to become right. something more. And when you said, no, I'm okay with what I am, he said, all right, well, that doesn't fit my vision of your life. But a, a seed was planted. I, I, I'm assuming that a seed was planted in your mind. Yeah, it wasn't just like, if you don't go to school, I'll fire you. It was not just that. Like, you know, you're very smart. I see you. You, you know, yes. like you're very interesting and this and that. You know, I see something in you. You should really go to school. And he said, I will help you. I don't know what that means, but, you know, it's like, because we didn't go any further. 
So I failed the GED and I thought, you know, I can't. But luckily there were people believed in me and seen more than what I saw um, in me. And, you know, just like, but there are also other things too. Like for example, when I wanted to go to nursing school, people were like, oh honey, are you sure? Are you sure you can do it? Are you sure you can handle it? Don't you want to pick something easier? Mm. You know, those people there. So it's like you have to make, you have to choose which way you're going to lean or who you're going to believe, who you're going to keep around. And, you know, just like those moments are very important. Do or die moments. They are very important. Yes, go ahead. And, you know, like, um, so I could, it's so, it's so uh, tempting to believe the other person thinking that you can't do it. Thinking that, you know, you should pick something easier. Or thinking that you know you should do something else—it's so tempting to go to lean on that uh, idea. But the magic happens when actually you try to do something what other people think it's hard to do, and then you end up doing it, and the whole world changes and it becomes like addictive. You know, you want to do it again. Hmm. Well, you touched on so many wonderful ideas and lessons here and one of the main themes is choice that six letter word choice and we get to choose different people can plant different ideas and this doctor who planted these thoughts in your head that hey you're very interesting you're capable of doing so much more as opposed to those other ones who say no you know that's too hard isn't this interesting uh burak that this is some of the narrative that we have in our own heads our, our own heads ego. The, the ego the, the ego the, yes yes those narratives that say you know what you could be a nurse but that's far too hard that's far too hard you can't do it i like the fact that you fought those those thoughts and those ideas and that you stepped out and you accomplished what others and even yourself were struggling with you went beyond that not only did you go beyond that you ended up graduating with a high gpa and and scholarships on top of that wonderful wonderful have you ever gone back to those people that doctor and that publisher just to thank them for being such a great influence in your life that doctor is my best friend today wow (laughs) wonderful i thank him every day all the time like you know for sticking to your words and do what you said you were gonna do you know, it just like woke me up and it's like, oh my God, what's going on here? Like, I thought like, you know, I could just get away with this, like everything else, you know, uh, but I wasn't. And it woke me up and changed the dynamic, changed what I think, um, you know, and I tried to make choices. I mean, when you say choices, you wake up and you make choice choices that day. Who do you want to become? Who do you want to be? Who do you, you know, like how you respect yourself and all that, you know? I'm not saying that when I did not, when when I was on the street, I didn't have respect for myself. I did, but what the others didn't. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I have like struggling uh, with something else, I always think that, you know, that first night when my father threw me out and I got beat it up from, from four adults, from four, four adults, like, you know, severely injured. I said, nothing is going to be any worse than that night. 
Mm. And especially trying something new. Right, right, right. You know, it's just like those moments, I think it was a bad moment or, but you turn around and see what moment that moment taught you? What that, like, what did I learn from it? And how can I use this in my advantage? Because I don't want that moment stay in my path and uh, work against me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's the last thing I want. Something that working against me. <laughs> you know, I want things work, you know, towards, you know, good things. Like, they all take all that moments. You think those are the bad moments? Like, you know, you, but, you know, thinking that, I survived at that moment. I will survive this too. I like that. And, and what's so important by everything that you said is that our pasts don't define our futures. And the, the experiences that we go through, and here's a lesson for anyone listening to this, is that no matter what difficulties you've gone through in the past, you can learn from those experiences and use them as stepping stones towards something wonderful and great and recognize those people that come into your life that provide some encouragement to you as being a catalyst to get you to where you want to be. But the one person that did this in this story that Burak has shared with us, the one person that did the most work was Burak. He was the one who took everything that happened to him and said, that's not going to be my story. In fact, he wrote a story for himself, which is where we're going right now, because it's, it's an inspiring story of who he is, what struggles he has gone through, and where he is today. So, Barack, would you talk a little bit about your book? And if I understand you, you're now working as a nurse in New York. Is that right? C correct. I work in one of the most prestigious hospitals in New York, and <laughs> I have a good, really good position here. Um, but I also, people were like wondering what happened after the book. We want to know, you know, just like, yeah. tell us. For 20 years, I struggled with the idea of, you know, like that being traumatized from previous book. I'm like, now I have a good position, good job and everything. Like, you know, uh, you know what? Um, I was just writing what happened after that, what I went through, you know, coming to New York, learning English, get the job, get the job, going to like psychiatric uh, facilities in and out. I always thought that, you know, um, who's like, um, who's responsible for this? Like for a while, I always look for someone responsible for this than me. You know, and it's like, okay, if my mother never left me when I was five years old, it started like that. And would this be happened this way? Would this be better? Would this be worse? You know, all that stuff. And uh, it started with the mail that I wrote to my mom. How I felt. And I was like, okay, so write one, one more page, one more page, one more page, one more page. There you go. We have a 240 or 80 pages, another book. <laughs> and so I called it, If My Mother Never Left. Oh, wow. What a great title. Would have, could have, should have, you know. Uh, my point is that, you know, I try to show myself like there's, like there's always things will happen that happen, but in the end, 
I'm me, what do I do with it? How do I get up? How do I move forward? Like there's no guarantee for tomorrow. Like nobody like, you know, like says tomorrow is, you know, it's going to be like this and then you do it. Yeah, could be, but we don't know that. Wonderful. Um, you know, life changes instantly. It can. Well, it's unpredictable. However, one thing that is predictable or that should be predictable is what we choose to do with what we're given. We should, and your story is inspiring in that in all those instances, you made some choices that weren't great and other choices that were great. And of the great choices and of the attitude that you had for yourself, and you, you made a very good point when you spoke about respect, even when you were homeless. And this is where a lot of people who are homeless regrettably remain homeless because they lose respect for themselves. They lose that hope and that encouragement. They believe that they are a product of their circumstances, that their circumstances have put them there and they're going to stay there because they've lost respect for themselves. And I'm, so, I'm imagining that that is what goes on through a lot of minds uh, of people who have lost hope. You never did. You still but respected because, yourself. Because one question. Yes. It's very simple, but it's very hard to answer. Who are you? Yes. Yes. If you can answer this question and you can figure out who you are and follow that, you don't let people tell you who you are. It's a very simple question, but it's very hard to answer. But once you answer, I, I promise things will change and you will figure out more things about yourself that, you know, that you can know, make you move forward. Barack, what you, what you talk about, who are you? In my first book, Take Control of Your Life, I've dedicated a whole paragraph or two to that very question. You are not just your name. You are not just the label that you were given. You are much more than that. And what I like also about what you just asked, who are you? It requires us to do some self-examination, to examine our lives, to see what's going well and what's not going well. Who are we? What do we want out of life? And what are we going to do from what it is that we've decided? Right. I am this person. I want to be this person. What must I do to be this person? Right. Yes. Right. It, it starts with that. Exactly. That's how I started. Okay. This is okay. This is what. I, so what? I, what do I have to do in order to in order to get to that point? Um, okay. Do I want to be a college graduate? So what do I do? Take the GED, fail the GED, drop out middle school, go back to GED. You know, try again. Yeah. And yeah. you know, like all these kinds of like you know, ask questions. Yeah. Who are you? Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and what are you going to do? What is it that you're going to do to get you to where you want to be? Are you going to give up? I'm thinking, and you've probably seen this wonderful movie, the very first Rocky movie. Life ain't all rainbows and sunshine. You know, and, and Rocky, yep. no matter how many times he was knocked to the, to the mat, he always got back up and said- Believe it or not, I've never seen that movie. <laughs> oh, all right. I'm not going to spoil it for you. <laughs> I highly recommend that if you were a movie watcher, that you watch that movie. It is an inspiring movie. And the theme is very much what you are talking about. No matter what life gives you, 
You have to get back up and say, who am I? And what do I want? Am I going to remain on the ground, remain homeless because I've lost respect for myself? Am I going to stay where somebody has put me? You didn't maybe, because your... I was, maybe because I was literally knocked down on the floor when I was asking the same question to myself. Right. And I, had, I, I literally had to pick myself up and go to like the like swollen face or anything, put myself together and move on. I literally had to do that. Not only, you know, as in the metaphor, you know, I had to do this. And I just still do it every day. Not like that, but I still get up in the morning and, you know, like stay strong and move forward. Do the work, just stay strong and move forward. That's it. Uh, and where can people buy your book now, Barack? Um, it's coming out on March 16, 2023, Thursday. Wonderful. And after that, they can purchase it on Amazon. They can go to my website, B is in boy, U-R-A-K, 212.com. Uh, they can sign up email. I can make, that, make sure that they get uh, email back and say, okay, here's the, the book is available. You can purchase it from there. Anyway, once, as long as they want it, they will find it. You got it. I will put those uh, links in the show notes once this goes live. And I want to thank you, Borak, for your time and for your inspiring story. There's so much to unpack there. But for anyone listening, the a few things that I'm taking from this, and I'm going to ask you uh, in just a moment, Barack, if there were one or two messages that you could leave our audience with, what would it be? But I, I would first like to say that what I've taken from your story is I've taken a few things from me, uh, from you. And that is that no matter what your circumstances are, you can rise above your circumstances. They don't define you, you define them. And it is a matter of asking yourself who you are and where you want to be, and then doing the work to get you there. It is also being grateful for the people who come into your life, who inspire you or give you encouragement and help you to get to where you want to be. Because we, we, we're not alone in this, in this world if we can only see and appreciate what other people have done for, for us. And what Borak has, has talked about, which is so important, is that we learn. We all have a story. Everybody is a story. Everybody has a story. Everybody is a story. We learn from our struggles and from our setbacks, and we become stronger people for having gone through them if we do the work. So, Borak, uh, would I be accurate in that? And what would you like to part with? What ideas would you like to share? I don't want to sit here and say, I did it, you can. I want to say, you must have done it before. Like, put yourself up and did it and do something. Look at that moment. Look how you did it and get inspired by you. Not, I mean, yes, you were like, we're looking things to inspire us. I did too. But the most inspirational person is you. You must have some, you must have done something to, you know, in the past to survive, or maybe it's a little bit, you know, look at that moment, how you did it and go from there. I could, like, you could do it again. Not because of someone else did it. You know, be your own hero. Be genuine, be authentic. And yes, you're right. Very good point that you left us with because we've all gone through struggles and we've all been able to get through them. 
So what is it from your past that you can bring into your present circumstances that can help you to get through your present by going back to that experience and say, hey, I got through this before. This is yeah. what I did to get through it. Now I can get through it again. Exactly. And they say you can't change past, but you kind of can. So <laughs> just <laughs> right. it. <laughs> All right. So um, thank you very much. Stay with me for a moment. I'm just going to close off the recording. I want to thank everybody who's listened to us today uh, for joining us on Inspire Us. And Burak uh, Yamaz has a book coming out March 16th, 2023. It will be available on Amazon. It will be a Available through his website. The links are in the showcase in the show notes. And I encourage you to check him out. The lessons that he has learned and shared with the world are worth paying attention to. So thank you very much, Barack. And we wish you all the very, very best. Thank you. Thank you very much. This was great. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another insightful episode. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave your comments. For more information, check out our website at www.inspireus.ca. Remember, it's not what happens to us that matters most. It's how we respond to what happens to us that does. Stay strong and resilient.